I understand if you're American, the US Open and the Masters are the ones that you want to win. But sure. if you're British, the Open is the one, is oh, the yeah. tournament that we all want to win. Every Home player wants yeah, well. absolutely. So to drive up the road on Sunday evening in my Subaru and Pretza <laughs> with the Claret Jug in the back seat doesn't doesn't really get any better, to be honest, for any British uh, professional golfer. So that was pretty cool. Surgical Goals, the podcast that brings you a unique insight to the world of sport and shines a light on many of the injuries picked up along the way from some of the best sports stars throughout their careers and, of course, the recoveries. My name is Jennifer Riak, and with the help of orthopaedic surgeon Professor Gordon Mackay, we're going to delve into that fascinating side of the sporting world. This week, Gordon and I are very excited to be talking to golfing superstar, affectionately known as Chippy to the golfing world, Mr. Paul Laurie. Paul, great to see you. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm extremely well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Lovely, lovely to have you on. Gordon and I are delighted. We're all we in are. the same room as well, which is very exciting. Yes. Socially distanced, of course. Socially distanced, of course. <laughs> distanced but very intimate. So. <laughs> you speak for yourself, Gordon. Yeah, I'm just far enough away from you. <laughs> That's the promise of things to come. Thank you. But Paul, I want to go straight into, I'm sure, one of the best moments of your career, that when the Open in 1999 occurred in that must have been just an incredible moment for you. How did it feel to be crowned the Open champion? Well, I, I mean, I was like a lot of other people. I was on the putting green, you know, as a junior member of my golf club with two golf balls and one was me and one was Seve or Jack Nicklaus or whoever it might have been at the time. And you've always, you know, you've got a four-footer to win the Open. Not for a second thinking that one day you would actually have a four-footer to win the Open. So when it happens, it's just, it's one of these moments where you just sort of, you can't quite believe that it's happening, first of all. I understand if you're American, the US Open and the Masters are the ones that you want to win. But sure. if you're British, the Open is the one, is oh, the yeah. tournament that we all want to win. Every Home player wants yeah, absolutely. Well. So to drive up the road on Sunday evening in my Subaru and Pretza <laughs> with the Claret Jug in the back seat doesn't, doesn't really get any better, to be honest, for any British uh, professional golfer. So that was pretty cool. As a professional, though, you said that that four footer, that putt, you're on the green. How do you hold your nerve? Because I've watched it and I, I mean, obviously I have no skills on the, the golf course. So that's a disclaimer straight away. <laughs> but I can't imagine the pressure you must be feeling when you're thinking, right, this has got to go in. Well, that's where all the hours of practice, preparation, you go through your routine with your coach. You know, you spend hours upon hours upon hours every day, every week, just working on things to hopefully one day have an opportunity, you know, to win tournaments, whether it be the Open, whether it be any tournament. You make sure you do the right thing at the right time. You have to stick to your routine. You can't get excited. You know, you can't get carried away. You have to keep your your, your body in the way that it needs to be to be able to react to certain situations. As soon as you get excited or as soon as you get down, it makes it harder the next shot to, to play the shot normally. So I worked on that w with Adam Hunter, who sadly is no longer with us, for hours upon hours. Just going through, I used to have a stopwatch and he used to time me and he used to go through my routine and it had to be the same every time so that when you are under pressure, if you start taking too long, obviously that's making it harder yeah. to, to make the shot. If you play too quickly, then you're not ready. So there's a set time that you must get your body ready. And luckily I'd done the preparation, I'd done the work and, you know, I, I was able to kind of carry it off and treat it like any other normal situation, which is the secret. As soon as you make it too important or it means too much, that makes it harder to play the shot you need to play. So it's about going into autopilot, really. It's, it's yeah. trying to blinker those emotions. Yeah, that's what people talk about. The, the preparation's done way before the tournaments happen. Yeah. Tournaments are for resting uh, and for playing, <laughs> and all the hard work gets done before that. Yeah. Paul, I just think that's a fantastic attitude. It's a great theory, but in reality, yeah. you know, we don't need to look too far back and penalties at important moments when top players that have practiced throughout their whole career but in that situation to stay that detached did you just feel you were just in that zone that players experience where it's almost effortless you're not actually thinking about it you're just playing golf which you're good at obviously yeah. well yeah I mean yeah it, it's so important uh, and and I talk a lot to young players that I mentor and that I deal with and that dealing with pressure and dealing with situations is probably the most important thing that they'll have to get right it's all very well on a Thursday, shooting eight under par when things are no pressure on you. But if you can produce the goods on a Sunday 
when there is pressure on you and are people watching in, in certain situations, that's where your proper player comes mm-hmm. into mind. You know, they, they have this different mindset where they're able to get in the zone. They're able to not worry about the 10,000 people that's walking around with them inside the ropes or somebody shouting on their backswing. And that, that's what it's about. That's the difference I always feel with elite professional sport where people are able, men and ladies, to just produce the best golf or the best whatever sport they're into when they have to. Yeah, That's the exactly. difference for me. That moment of pressure. How yeah. did your life change after that win? Because obviously you say driving home with the McLaren. You weren't driven home. But, well, not, well, I had to qualify to get in that event back then. The qualifying was a Sunday and a Monday. I was at Downfield in Dundee, so I qualified. And then I looked for accommodation and couldn't find accommodation you close enough. Him. No. So 40 Pitch minutes. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> 40 minutes was the closest I could get. So I thought, well, I'm only an hour in a car, so I'll just go up and down the road and the car so I stayed at home yeah and uh, young Michael our youngest he was only six months old he'd he'd just been born the previous Christmas so I thought well it's ideal I'll just stay at home and Help Marion look after the wee one, and wow. I'll, play, I'll play in the open and toddle up and down in the car. Wow. So that's amazing. So you're Aberdeen, and it was too yeah. crazy. Obviously, you had doing that commute. It's incredible. But letters after your name changed after that, though, didn't you? MBE in 1999. You're now OBE, of yeah. course. That's quite a, a prestigious accolade, no? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not massively into stuff like that, but obviously, when you get recognised for certain situations, Absolutely. it's very nice. I don't use them. I've not got anything on my golf bag like some people we could mention, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just not something that I'm into. But like yeah. you say, it's nice to it's nice to have it. It's nice to be recognised. The obviously the MBE was for for winning the Open, and the OBE was for our work with Junior Golf through our foundation. So yeah. that was extremely nice to get that. Absolutely, I feel like we could get you a blazer with it like embossed on it, just so you can wander around every night again. No, I feel I feel that we shouldn't <laughs> really. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll come back to it later. But the second honour must have been almost as appreciated because I know I love sports don't remain focused and actually after the pinnacle of their sport get a little lost in a, a sense of direction because they should have been driving themselves for so long it was fantastic that you refocused in the next generation and that remains a passion for you yeah I, we my wife and I both felt it was really important to start the foundation when I was still active uh, and when I was still young enough for the children to sort of be able to see me at the events and it would have been easy to have started it now you know when I'm not playing as much mm-hmm. but I wanted them to still see me busy enough to be playing around the world and then turn up an event and say hello to these between 10 and 18 year old uh, kids playing golf. I thought that was important. So we did that. And, you know, I go along to all the events that I can and Marion's at pretty much every event, handing out, you know, the water and the, the fruit and, and the golf balls and teas, etc. So we're both hugely involved in it. And it's something we've always wanted to do. I think it's important that you want to do it. You can see a few of them getting into it because they feel as though it's good for them or good for their PR or or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we kind of both felt we wanted to do it. We had two boys ourselves who were golfers, young golfers. Mm -hmm. So it was ideal for us to start the foundation when we did. So we we both love it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when you've got a passion for something, it's nice to share that with uh, the next generation coming up. It makes a big difference to how much they care about the sport as well when they can see it in you. Well, that was the idea. The idea was that I still wanted to be Playing in the open one yeah. week and then the, the Monday after turn up at a junior event and say hi to the kids and hand That's out the prizes. That's cool. what I felt was the yeah. biggest thing for me. And my part of it, of the foundation, I deal with more of the older, older ones because that's the bit that I can really influence them. I take them out for games of golf and work on their course management and short game and take them through how certain situations are going to act out and help them a little bit with what's coming up. And we leave the coaches to the younger ones and get them into the game. And then I take over when they get a little older. Have you got the next uh, Open champion in your midst then? Have you got the well, next Scott that's going to be a superstar? Yeah, we've got a few at the moment that are looking pretty cool. One in particular. Nice. I don't want to name him and oh. put any pressure on the poor boy, but yeah, yeah. there's one in particular that's extremely special. Good. Mm. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Mm. We're tantalizing yeah. here. I do want to go back a bit to, obviously, how much you played, because I've seen a stat that you played more than 600 European Tour events, which not many people have done, which is quite incredible. I'm old, though. <laughs> no, I mean, you've been in all the big competitions, of course, <laughs> in the golfing world. How do you get to that level? How do you get to the top? Is it just about practice? Well, there's a, there's a load of different factors involved in it. First of all, you've obviously got to have a little bit of talent. You've got to have great advice. But you've got to just work like you've never worked before. It's, it's the only reason you get there is by putting the work in. There's very, very few people I've ever met in life that get to the top of what they do without working hard. I don't know any, to be honest. So that was what we, we did. I mean, I, I wasn't a great golfer when I was young. I was a five handicap when I turned pro. I wasn't very good as a boy. And I turned pro the earliest as I could, which was a five handicap limit at the PGA. 
I wasn't good enough to play in the Scottish boys or the Scottish amateur. Wow. Yeah, my golf I'm so was never to good hear enough. That. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's amazing how it's worked out. But I kind of set about my stall and I worked hard yeah. and I practiced before the shop opened in the morning, practiced yeah. during lunch, practiced at night or played golf and just wanted to be a golfer. So the only way to do that was to work hard. So that's what we did. I think that's so inspirational. Well, that's yeah. encouraging to all of us, it actually. Is. Well, yes. Yeah. We're mortals yeah. that haven't really mastered the sport. That yeah. There's a lot to be said that we can improve at least. Mm. I, I played a lot of football when I was young uh-huh. and uh, it wasn't hugely into the golf. I played a little bit and I, I would have liked to have been a bit better. I'd love to have been a, an internationalist, but I just wasn't good enough. And then I wasn't clearly going to be the next Willie Miller or yeah, Alec yeah, McLeish yeah. or Gordon yeah. Strachan. So I decided that, you know, if I wanted to be a golfer and I wanted to be half decent, I would have to put the work in. So that's what we did. And you did. I mean, yeah. it's quite incredible. What kind of training did you do once you got to the level that you realised, right, this is this is going pretty well. I've got chances here to really make my mark on the sport. What is a training regime like? How often were you out on the course? Well, I think I was lucky even early on that I, I had a good short game. My short game was always good. And my nickname, Chippy, obviously came yeah. from that. It <laughs> came from a, a friend of mine, Colin Fraser, who's a fish merchant in Aberdeen. I used to play a lot of golf when I was young with Colin. And I was never a great player, but I was always good at chipping and putting. Okay. And we were out playing one night and I played terrible, but I chipped and putted lovely. And he said, all you do is chip. I'm just going to call you Chippy. <laughs> and that's where it came and from. And the name was born. And that's where it came from. I mean, I do love chips, but it doesn't, it does, people think it comes from that, but it, it's just strangely nice enough, it doesn't, yeah. I have chips with everything, to be honest. But, so that's where it came from. But, wow. you know, I, I would hit regularly thousand balls a day was my kind of thing. When Adam Hunter and I first hooked up in 98, he, he became my coach. Adam had been a tour player from okay. Glasgow and he couldn't believe where my game was and how how poor it was, to be honest, how far I'd gotten in the game already. <laughs> you know, so he said, listen, wow. you need to address what's going on. You can't be playing like that at the top level. So he said, look, I want you to hit a thousand balls a day, five days a week on your weeks off and have two days off is what that was what he set me down. So that's what I did. That's I mean, a lot of balls. That's why it's an awful lot of balls. I don't think people appreciate how, many, how, no. how much effort's involved in a thousand balls. Well, when know? you line up a thousand balls on a driving range and in front of you, that's 10 large baskets of a driving range. That's a lot of balls. And then I would chip and putt on top of that and, uh-huh. and I would practice swing and I would, you know, do yeah. my exercises and biking and whatever on top of that. So it's a proper day. It's a full yeah, day that's hitting hours balls. hours and yeah. hours of work. That must take its toll on your body. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, that's a lot though, it is. Well, especially it's a lot off a driving range mat because they're obviously pretty hard. So, you know, you have to tee them up a little bit on yeah. the rubber peg because obviously the constant contact on on the mat is, is rock hard. Off grass is not obviously quite so bad. But yeah, that's what I did. I hit a thousand balls a day, five days a week on, on my weeks off. I would never hit that many at a tournament because obviously the idea at a tournament is to rest okay. uh, because you've obviously got a lot going on. Yeah. If you were to hit a thousand balls a day and play, you wouldn't be able to. You I'd know, be exhausted. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to compete. But weeks off, that was what I did. Wow. That yeah. is absolutely incredible. Yeah. How did you end up meeting Gordon though? Because you both know each other. This is the first time I've met you, Paul. I had the, the delight of meeting you today. But you ha- you have a history between the two of you. Well, I tell the story about you. <laughs> no, no, Gordon. please, you, you tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. It was weird because I was at London Links watching my son, my youngest son, playing a golf tournament and it was a 36 hole event and Stuart Barton who's going to come on a little bit later he, he was the physio on site for the boys Stuart obviously had a practice nearby and I was in the queue paying for my sausage roll and coffee as you do <laughs> because choice. I'm an athlete absolutely uh, no butter though Oh, um, come on. And then Stuart <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder because he was in the queue behind me and I'd never met Stuart before. And when I turned around, he said, sorry to bother you, but I'm really pleased to meet you. My name's Stuart Barton. I'm a physio. I'm sorry to hear that you've pulled out of tournaments for the rest of the year because you've got struggling with your foot. Yeah. And he said, I've got a practice up the road. I know you've probably had other people look at it, but I would love to just have a look at your foot if you wouldn't mind. And That's I a said, very weird proposition. Well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you've yeah, been known today as well. I'd like strange to look at your foot. Fight, but, you know, but, but when you still comes on the phone, you'll realise it's not that strange for him. It's pretty gone. normal. It's pretty normal. Normal to be, to be tapping people on the shoulder is actually okay for him. I love this. Yeah. So obviously he wanted so, so, to... Yeah, so I, I walked around with my son, 36 holes, and then I, I gave Stuart a call and said I was finished. He said, okay, pop up. And he, he you know, socks and shoes off, roll yep. up your trousers, usual thing. Walk up and down the corridor, right, jump on the bed. And uh, he had a bit of a feel about as they do. And he said, I think you've ruptured a tendon in your foot. Is, he said, I think I'm not 100% sure, but I think you, and there's ligaments that are damaged around about it. He said straight away. 
Now, I'd been in Munich, I'd been in London, I'd been everywhere to try and fix my foot. And my foot was collapsing when I was swinging, so the arch wasn't supporting my foot. So you're basically getting a flat foot. I was getting a flat foot, yeah. 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 And I mean, I'd been x-rays and God knows whatever. And this was Stuart tapped me on the shoulder at London Lynx Golf Club to say, I think I can fix your foot. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, no, honestly, Stuart, thanks very much. But yeah, it can't be. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, he said, no, no, he said, one of my best mates is Gordon Mackay. He's a top surgeon. I'm going to speak to Gordon and we're going to fix you out. We're going to sort you out. Wow. Yeah. And that's where I first met Stuart and Gordon. So Gordon, what did you make of it when you heard about Paul's story and Stuart came to you? You can feel nothing but sympathy when you hear that somebody who's been at the very top of the sport is being restricted or curtailed because of injury or even being forced to retire because of injury. And being immersed in the world of sports surgery, you're aware of the latest innovations in technology. So we're hopeful that we could shine some light on this problem. And sometimes it's just these opportunities that arise to to look at things afresh. So it was conscious of the fact that Paul had been around the globe and is a, a, a profile golfer I've been given advice from the biggest centres in the US yeah. and so forth but I think it's fair to say Paul that the solutions that we're offering were all fairly drastic it was like they were going yeah. to break your heel and yeah. reset it bone yeah. graft it plate oh. it transfer tendons yeah. and understandably when golf was about finesse I would imagine in terms of putting etc and feedback I could understand that that wouldn't be ideal. In fact, it might straighten your foot, but the opportunities to return to that level of golf would be extremely small. Well, zero. And and again, all the... All the solutions that were put in front of me, I would rather have just retired and not played, to be honest. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, because you, you want to be able to play. You either want to play at a certain level and be able to play at that level or don't bother. So when did you I, find I was, out you had the injury? Was it a gradual thing? Was it a sudden like, Oh, I've had it. Pain? I've had it for, oh, the first time I felt it was probably about 2010 was okay. the first time I ever felt it. And I played Ryder Cup in 2012 with it. But oh, yeah. obviously it just got worse and worse as time went on. And was it just about, was it agony eventually? Was it too sore to play? Was that what happened? By the end of the day, obviously walking all day and hitting balls and whatever. And it had been, I mean, if you hit 500 balls even with your foot doing it every time, there's obviously, there's a bit of uh, soreness there. Again, I would have been probably happy enough to stop. I felt as though I'd had a a career that I was proud of. I, I, I didn't feel as though I probably had much else that I had to do or prove, you know, to me or anybody else. But I wanted to play on. I, I was keen to play seniors golf, which is what I do now. I'm obviously busy uh, off the course. I don't play as much golf uh, as I used to, but yeah. I, I want that. I, I don't want to play 30 weeks a year. I'm happy to play 12 to 13 and yeah. do my other work. That was kind of where it come from. So thankfully, thankfully, Mr. Barton tapped me on the shoulder in his <laughs> very weird way to say, I think I can fix your foot. But that must have been quite mentally tough, though, to be fit, to be healthy, to be working well, and then having that kind of acceptance that you are being forced to maybe quit something that you wouldn't have done. Well, the frustrating levels were, were pretty high, you know, for me, yeah. because obviously I, I felt as though I was still able mentally and uh, I still chipped and putted pretty well. I, I still felt as though I could compete. I still felt as though I had a bit of desire and wanted to win things and yeah. play, but I couldn't, you know, I, I, I physically couldn't play golf at a, a reasonable level because of my foot and any, any slope that I was on mm-hmm. where the weight was on the left, so downhill lie, I, I had no shot. I had to just sort of chip it down the fairway because I couldn't get the weight to yeah. stay there I would just collapse onto my left side and obviously it affected you professionally but was it affecting your everyday life I mean just if you got a sore foot walking must be even harder or was it more focused around golf well I don't I don't walk an awful lot to be fair <laughs> God, God, I would probably I mean I, I have he's a, not in the gym all day <laughs> no, no, be honest let's just say I'm not a gym I'm not a gym rat let's just say but yeah I mean obviously it did yeah, yeah. I mean nobody wants that you want to be able to be fit and healthy yeah even if you're not going to play golf anymore, you want to be able to lead your life a certain way. And uh, it was hampering pretty much, you know, everything that I did. Yeah. So Gordon, how was it missed though? How did somebody, like you said yourself, it being seen by so many other people. I think the the clue in Paul's story is the fact that it it progressed gradually over such an extended period of time. It's amazing that Paul played at that level with that injury for so long, really, in truth. Talent, Gordon. Talent, raw talent. Yes, the raw talent. But the, the fact that it was progressing gradually suggested that it related to his practice, his technique, yeah. and the repetition that we were talking about earlier. Of course. So we, we was intrigued to hear that Paul sort of, I think you tried to change your technique when this yeah. started to become a problem for you. Well, uh, you're changing the position. And you're, you're... Yeah, well, I mean, when it happened, when it happened, uh, when I turned my foot out quite a bit, uh-huh. it was better. 
obviously okay. face on it's going to go this way so that way it was a, it was better for me sure but then technical wise as a golfer you don't really want because that restricts your leg moving you want your leg to come in and go out and you know when my foot was like that then my groin was getting sore and but then I started lifting my heel when I was playing and that was just causing all sorts of timing issues. So then you just think, right, I've either got to get it fixed yes. or I've just got to stop. I'm not prepared to play golf the way that I was playing golf. So that's yeah. where that's where these boys came in. So Gordon, what did you do then? Did you propose a solution to Paul? How did it all come about? Well, we decided that if this was the source of the problem, we should really, really try and just unpick it as it evolved. And what had happened, and I'm sure Paul doesn't mind discussing this, is that the tissues had really attenuated and stretched uh, along the whole inside of his foot. Okay. So all the supporting ligaments that keep the arch of your foot maintained were starting to stretch as well as the tendons that supported them. So Paul could maybe manage to the first five holes and then you would say you got a wee bit of a snap or a crack and it became painful as the foot started to flatten. Anything that snaps and cracks is not, not good. good. No, 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 no believe me, it was not good. good. <laughs> but, it, but it seemed to me, as we often see with sports injuries, as being sports specific. So okay. the idea was, if that is the primary problem, why don't we address all the laxity and give all these ligaments a bit of a facelift and retention the tendon and we now have techniques and technology that can allow us to do this. But I wanted to be absolutely sure that, that we were doing the right thing because it's not in the conventional textbook. So I went to the US, met with some of the top sports foot and ankle surgeons, and we went into a lab and we said, right, we'll, we'll simulate Paul's foot. Let's see if we can rebuild it. So we did this in Colorado with these chaps and we're around this cadaver and we had x-ray screening. We were working it all out. And at the end of it, I said, a consensus really partly because if you're going to do something that's a little out of the ordinary, yeah. you've got to have the confidence of your colleagues and your peers. We had a consensus like, do you think this, I mean, it's so radically different from all the other options. Do you think it could work? And they said, yeah, yeah, try it. You, you, you're not going to lose by this. So we came back and that was the start of that process. Okay. So that's the specifics of, of the problem you experience. But just for listeners who are not that exposed to golf, they, they think it's relatively safe and it, it's low demand activity. But it's anything but low demand. There are certain problems that golfers seem to experience on a reasonably regular basis. And I know you were saying that with your foot, it would then affect your, maybe your knee or your back and it would work its way up or your groin. But back injuries, for example, is that prevalent in golf? Yeah, well, I mean, you're twisting and turning, you know, obviously so, so much. And it's not, it's not just the number of times you're doing it. It's the speed that you're doing it at mm -hmm. too. Tour players obviously hit it a lot further than the, your club amateur do. So there's more club head speed. There's more impact on the ground. Yeah. You know, the yeah. faster you're swinging, the faster that club's hitting the ground and you're doing it a thousand times a day is maybe extreme, but most people are probably doing it four or 500 times yeah. a, a day, every day. And the speed that we're doing it at, your body just takes an unbelievable toll. And you look at all the players through the years, Greg Norman's had God knows how many shoulder, mm -hmm. you know, leg, back, Tiger, man, mm -hmm. the stuff is. And he's he was doing it faster than anyone else when he was doing it, Tiger. He was the longest, you know, he was the fittest. He worked out more than everyone else. And I think all that takes a toll on your body too, yeah. personally. I think you'll find that a lot of the, the fittest athletes are the ones that are injured the most yeah. too because yeah. they're putting their body through so much more. Us, us, us fat boys are just doing it when they're, when they're hitting balls. <laughs> I so don't see any that, fat boys. No, 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 no. <laughs> but how, how but do you think the physicality of the game has changed since your victory in, in 1999? Do you think it has changed? Is there more sort of gym work and all-round sort of fitness? Or was, has it always been part of the game? Well, I mean, Gary, Gary Player was always mega fit when he played. But for me, Tiger Woods changed the whole okay. way that people think when he came on the scene in 97. Everyone was working out. Everyone was in the gym and hitting it further and hitting it harder. I think he changed the way people saw golf at, at the tour level, certainly. I mean, I, I, I've worked out, you know, over the years, but I wouldn't have done that until Tiger kind of came on the go and you see this young pup yeah. hitting it absolute miles. You think, <laughs> well, I need to get a bit fitter and a bit stronger, but that takes its toll. Yeah. I, I mean, there's only so many times that you can do it. And you see a lot of players mid forties and they just come to the end. They just can't, they just can't do it anymore physically. They just can't because they've done it for 25 years of yeah. pounding thousands and thousands of balls and gyms and treadmills and. Paul, I was amazed when I spoke to the Swedish doc that looks after their professional golfers. He told me a number of years ago that next to rowing, that golf put the most stress in your lower back. He no. said it was up to six, really? up, up to yeah. six times your body weight. Yeah, I believe that. Stress. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, in terms of recreational golf, do you think maybe the balance is less power? Because often the bulk 
restricts movement? Do you think flexibility is something they can maybe concentrate on just as much as bulking up in, in the gym? Well, yoga yeah. golf. Can you well, see it in the tea? you got some well, legs well, and tree poses. Why not? A bit of yoga going on on the first tee with, with, with Tiger and Ernie. That'd be quite cool. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of got to a certain point where I, I was starting to get stiff, so I had to stretch a bit more, and I stretch all the time. Now, I never used to stretch at all, and, and I'm actually quite supple. You know, I used mm. to get really stiff in the mornings, but now... Man, it's no problem. I can, I can touch the floor with my hands and I'm, str- I'm quite supple. Whereas I've never done that before. As you get older, you've definitely got to look after yourself a wee bit more on that side of things. As much as you have hit balls and be strong, to be supple is probably more important than anything else as you get older. Yeah. And you are ready to take on that yoga class for the world. Oh, and no people question. want to see it. Let's Golf get a YouTube yoga, video. An opportunity. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Count me in. <laughs> We're talking about the evolution of the game as well. And obviously the women's game has evolved a lot and that's important to continue to see that grow because obviously historically there's certain clubs obviously not as inclusive for women how do you see that continuing to develop do you think that we'll get to the same level as the men's game is it almost there well well, it's it's certainly getting better I think it's not it's not there yet probably not by a long chalk but it's certainly getting there there's less and less Men only clubs yeah. now. Thankfully, there oh, are still absolutely. a few, but there's not. There's still a, there's still a few, which is it's poor. Crazy, there's still a few. It's, honestly, yeah, it blows my mind it, in 2021 that there's still a few. What well, have you got still, against you, Jane? Oh, oh, Stopping my golf career here. <laughs> it's 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 just mental to think that yeah. that is the case. Is, but but there are some that are still out there. But it's getting better. There's no question about that. But there's a long way to go, I think. But we are making some steps, and everyone's sort of trying to get into it a bit more, which is nice. But it should have been happening a long, long time ago. I think, think everyone thinks that. There's been a lot recently, obviously, with the Olympics going on as well. We've had the mixed triathlon. There's been mixed doubles in tennis for yeah. years. Obviously, Andy Murray was playing with Serena Williams. That kind of thing that's happening out there. And it's happening regularly mm, now. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a cry, I think, maybe for the golfing world to embrace that. Do you think it would be something that would go down well? I think we've been chatting about it for a long time, but there's there's been no action on it yet. But why is there not a foursomes tournament? Yeah. Ben and we're playing together. You Absolutely. know, alternate shots. We call it foursomes, where one player hits a shot and another player hits a shot. Why can't we have a foursomes tournament on the main tour with men and ladies being a team? Absolutely. I think that would be a great event. The TV would lap it up. I think people would really enjoy it. Why can't we do that? Why can't yeah. we make that happen? But they've talking about it for long enough, but I don't understand why we can't have a tournament where we all play with, with each other. Because I teams. think it is quite mm-hmm. engaging. Be great I think fun. You've got such a different balance, Absolutely. obviously. Men and women at the top of their game, but they've also quite often got different styles as yeah. well, like, yeah. because they've got different yeah. physical attributes there. But I think it's... it could be a huge event if, if yeah. you could get that. Now, for me, the Olympics is the platform to do that. And yeah. well, why would that not work there? It needs to be a little different, I think, with the Olympics. I, I don't think the four-round stroke player in that is right. So I think this might be something that they could do, a mixed foursomes It's event. certainly been spectacular and great entertainment. We watched it in the swimming. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, great fun. And the mini triathlon as yeah. well was, drew a tremendous audience. So it'd be very transferable, I'd imagine. Yeah. But Paul, talking of engagement, it's great. I think the ladies, enthusiasm involving the ladies, but you also keen on making golf more accessible to children yeah. because yeah. I certainly look back and didn't really have too many opportunities to get involved in golf, yeah. although I was very taken by my football. That's something that's also being addressed. You've been sort of leading the charge there. We obviously started the foundation in 2001. We obviously spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money trying to get kids into the game. And the idea of the foundation has always been to take the cost away from the parents because whether you like it or not, it's a little bit of a costly sport to yeah. get into. It's maybe not as costly as a lot of people maybe realize because you can buy secondhand clubs and whatever, but it is coaching, not, not cheap, rightly so, because these guys have trained for years to get themselves to a reasonable level. So we, we've been trying to get into that again a bit more and we're trying hard. We're working hard. It's just at the moment we're finding it a little difficult to get our new idea off the ground. There's lots of bits and pieces that are in our way, but you know, we're, we're hugely focused. We're hugely into it. Hopefully we can just get the next open champion coming yeah. out of, uh, of Scotland. I mean, why not? Absolutely. Don't see any reason. No, no I don't no. see any reason. The talent's yeah. there. We, we just need to make sure we get the right coaches yeah. uh, so not, in certain not, areas. Not only do we have these individuals with the potential to go to the very, very top in sport, what's nice from a health perspective is that golf is a great sport that yeah. people can carry throughout yeah. their whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And people talk now about the benefits of walking and light exercise, cardiovascular disease, preventing cancer, etc. There's so many benefits there yeah. if golf can be put in a a prominent position 100%. for young, children, young kids coming through school. The, the other main idea of the foundation wasn't to 
take through tour superstars. The idea was to get club members uh, for clubs uh, from the kids because they're, they're not all going to be great players. We understand that. But the, the main idea of it was to cost down to the parents and to produce golf club members for golf clubs. Now, okay, we're, we're in a mini boom at the moment and golf's been going great and memberships are rising again, which is great to see. But we need to keep that going. So the way to do that is to get kids into game. And the best way to do it is through the schools. You know, when yeah. they're at school is to try and introduce golf or football or whatever, get them active. And that's yeah. the idea. Just to comment, because uh, Jennifer will relate to this. Jennifer's very sporty. She used to do netball, like tennis. Sport, yeah. yeah, she enjoys her sport. And I have claimed to have a wee bit of a sporting background. I mean, you've got I, a much more sporting background. No, no, background I do like me. to exaggerate now, you know, hugely, <laughs> actually, uh, about previous levels of interest in sport. But people make the assumption, if you haven't had that grounding as a kid, it's quite difficult to yeah. to move into golf and really, yeah. really become reasonably yeah. accomplished. I think it's hard you know? to find it. You're right. I think it's hard to find a sport that's quite technical a wee bit later in life so yeah. I did quite a lot of sports and found yeah. most of them fine I've come to an adult in my sort of late well now in my 30s but in my late 20s I decided to try and do a bit of tennis yeah. I'm still horrible at tennis right. after years <laughs> of trying to do yeah. it but I think I never did it when I was younger but I still enjoy it and but, I don't think you should stop but if you don't get amazingly good but, but folk will assume you're sporty so golf shouldn't be a problem for you yeah. I've been invited out and folks say oh you play football you'll be great you, you know and they, they just assume <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I'm saying look can I prepare you for disappointment you've witnessed this Paul <laughs> Paul kindly enough has taken me out and he, he did offer a few tips like yeah give stop up playing golf yeah, yeah. I was uh, <laughs> yeah. I was I was uh, what's I'm trying to think of the words I, I was disappointed <laughs> To, to the to the to the extreme with Gordon's golf when such a good athlete, yeah, not great on the golf course. I've let down my family. <laughs> I, was, I was not expecting that. Like a lot of people, you just but golf is a. I mean, it's such a difficult game. I mean, honestly, I know a lot of people understand that the coordination of it and the timing of it, and there's certain things have got to happen even to get it to go. No, never mind to hit a good shot. But as long as people enjoy it, I, I don't have a problem playing in pro-ams or games of golf with people who are terrible. I don't do everything well. I, I only, I only, according to my wife, I only do golf pretty well. <laughs> I, I'm horrible at everything else, according to, according to my wife. And she's no. probably right. So no, I totally understand golf is an unbelievably uh, difficult game. And I can't imagine starting it again. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've tried the putting in St. Andrews, the mm. Himalayas. Yeah, I true. think I did about 25 shots and one yeah. still didn't get it. I just picked it up. I That's up. extreme though. That's pretty tough. That's a pretty tough place to start. <laughs> it's fun though. It's all about it. I kind of just want to go back to talking about the injury and obviously it was a success. We didn't yeah. ever quite get Sorry. to the point we of did. the fact yeah. that yeah. There yeah. Was, success. It, it worked well. Gordon, it, it it was a dream well, for you. It worked all well, exactly as you wanted it. Well, surgery is 50%. And Stuart's going to join us shortly. And the rehabilitation is just as important yes. yeah. as well as the application for the patient. Of course. Now, Paul had his sights set on joining the seniors tour. He was, believe it or not, just turning 50. It was great to have a target. So, yeah, it was very exciting. We shouldn't really take a wee bit of the reflected glory. but it's, and Maybe that's not the right term, but you feel for your patients and you enjoy yeah. their experiences. Well, you're emotionally invested in well, them yeah, and succeeding. Yeah. Even those from a distance. So we had used this internal bracing technology. It was new, but we felt it addressed specifically Paul's needs at this yeah. time. So it was great to watch Paul come back. And he did come back rather impressively, I think, yeah. to the, the Scottish Open and Seniors yeah. Open. Yeah, yeah, I, I won the, yeah, I won the Scottish Seniors Open. It was my first win as a senior. And to say that it was successful, I think, would be an understatement. I mean, I can now play. I can play normally. I can play as often as I want. I can hit as many balls as I want. I mean, I probably couldn't hit a thousand balls a day like I used to, but that's just not just my foot. That's just my, my body and my back and, yeah. and probably not wanting to was the biggest, is the, is the biggest that. reason because I've done <laughs> so a lot of that. Yeah. But I'm able to play at any level th that I want to again. And I wasn't able to do that before I met, you Incredible. know, Gordon and Stuart. So, and, and Gordon's right. I mean, as good as a job as he did, the rehabilitation with Stuart and his team, I was down there all the time, up and down the road from Aberdeen to the clinic, and they did a great job looking after me because uh, it's a it's a huge part of it. I understand that the surgery and all that had to go well, which it did, but the other part of it is, as I'm sure Gordon will agree, is hugely important. So Stuart and his team did a great job. How did you feel hitting that first golf ball after the surgery, after all the, the rehab? Was it quite a, an incredible moment for you? Did it feel good or did it just feel like, 
back to normal, back to normal business. Well, I'm sure like everyone else, you, you, you have to, you, you wear the boot, you know, for a long, long time. And the muscle wastage was unbelievable in my leg. Amazing. Oh, it's, I mean, I had no muscle whatsoever on my, on my, on my calf or it's amazing. So the first shot I hit, you think your leg's going to break because there's nothing, there's nothing. It's a weird feeling. I was told to take it slowly and I'm not, you know, sometimes my nickname is patience, you know, because I haven't got any. <laughs> so the first shot I hit was a full driver, as you do, because you're told to go yeah, yeah, yeah. slowly. So why would you? <laughs> Start <laughs> gently, Paul. Start I'm a, gently. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a golfer. Yeah, I don't listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm a golfer. I don't listen or read. So, so, I mean, but no, it was, it was a little tentative and a little uh, worrying. I mean, obviously it was, as, it was strong as soon as I started hitting balls again. Yeah. So I just did it slowly and worked my way back up and it was only a few months later that I was kind of playing, you know, full rounds of golf yeah. again. So it's amazing, really. Well, it must have been quite a scary moment to being quite satisfying when you know this is it, this is going to work well for me. Well, yeah, only six months prior to that, I'm probably thinking I wasn't going to play competitive golf again. And all of a sudden, here you are whacking drivers six yeah. months later and playing in tournaments. That's it's amazing. Turn around time frame as well. Yeah, Gordon. yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's incredibly satisfying to see Paul back in action. Yeah. It, really, it really is. And and it's well from American colleagues that were involved. They all feel they've been following your progress with great interest. <laughs> Good. I've been relaying this back. In fact, I had to go back to Colorado and present your case study to them. They wow. were all fa fascinated by it because it was just a different way of thinking. Right. Uh, because tendency is to think of sportsmen just as regular individuals so if you have a particular problem there's a textbook answer for arthritis or for tendon damage or ligament damage but it's not applicable to their sport that was the pleasure here and it has been our pleasure applying similar technology to different athletes yeah. right what would you say to other golfers maybe not pro mm. level who are experiencing pain probably from both of you mm. there like paul what would you say should you get effects you don't give up on your dreams i suppose there's options for you yeah well i'd only ever had keyhole surgery before on my knee so i'd never had surgery of that level before so there was a bit of apprehension from from my side too Actually, but, yeah. but, but i was in the situation where i had nothing to lose i was going to stop anyways i felt as though i was in reasonable hands with mr mckay <laughs> you know, i'm not so sure I'm not so sure but, but it's amazing when you when you go back to get the, the bandages off and stuff and and you see the scar for the first time and you, you just think i can't see how that can how that can heal up yeah but the body is amazing i mean it wasn't long That's before true. the fantastic job that gordon did i mean you can only see a faint line on my foot it's amazing how people give you credit for being a good golfer but i mean these guys are at their job it's just it's amazing to see when you first see the bandages coming off oh my god that's never <laughs> you just don't think that can ever look but it does it looks as though i've never had an operation on my foot it's amazing Can someone pick mr laurie up off the floor please <laughs> Like, oh, too. Yeah, I mean, I've got a scar the length of my foot, but you can't really see it. Yeah. It's amazing that how you do it. But no, I would, I would advise that if you are struggling, it, it can always, it can always get better. But it can always get worked on. I think that's the, that's the key message. Because I thought that I was gone and I was in an extreme situation, yeah. and I'm now back playing yeah. full time if I wanted to, yeah, hitting balls as often as I want to without any pain Amazing. so it can happen yeah and what would you say Gordon obviously uh, like is uh, there options there for people who maybe aren't at the level of yeah, Paul yeah I mean Paul's situation was quite unique but it's partly because Paul put up with discomfort for seven years or more I think the idea that is not really to struggle on these problems are always easier to remedy at an early stage okay. they can be corrected and some of the, the secondary disability prevented yeah don't just tough it out if it's painful and restricting you get appropriate advice I think yeah. that's uh, hmm. what I would encourage do you need to get lots of advice though because of Paul's scenario shows that there was obviously lots of different opinions. Would you say it's important to speak to a few different people? In Paul's situation where your, his whole career depended on it, I think it is it's important it. because yeah. opinions can vary so dramatically. Sure. I mean, the, the reconstructive breaking the ankle, fusing it, grafting it, plating it, etc. That keeps you out maybe for two years okay. and, and gives you lots of restrictions. So it's, it's interesting how different views can be. Absolutely. But for most people, if you go for too many opinions, it can also muddy the waters yeah. and leave you very confused about mm. what what is best to do. So you often have a gut instinct yourself if you're being sure. uh, offered appropriate advice. It's helpful if the individual you're speaking to has an interest in your discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Your personal story and other advice for, for golfers and prolonging their careers as long as possible. Stretch then. Stre well, stretching has <laughs> been the biggest thing for me. Yeah. As much as, as much as Gordon and Stuart fixed my foot, if I wasn't stretching right now, I wouldn't be able to play because your body definitely stiffens up as you get older. Obviously, sitting on the couch when you're young is not a problem, but when you get to a certain age, you just stiffen like you can't believe. So I stretch all day, 
every day. I, I'm always kind of getting down there and doing bits and pieces. So I think it's important. Yeah, stretching. I was wondering what you were doing when I walked in today. Yeah, like, oh, that's I what I was doing. I was getting down there sense. stretching. Well, <laughs> well golf is a strange sport. I mean, this is just a couple of wee asides. I heard in a quiz show on the way home in the car the other day that golfers are not allowed to warm their balls. Is that, is that true? <laughs> wow, that gets it. That gets it. Oh, that's, that's pretty low, Gordon. Yeah. No, no, technically. <laughs> Stuart Barton's not even on the phone yet. <laughs> we'll, we're going there. we'll save that for Stuart. Uh, all right. You can warm your golf ball before a game. But you're not allowed to warm the ball during a match. Well, the funniest so thing... subtleties must be important. The funniest thing about that is that you always have your caddy have some balls in his pocket because ah. they go further when they're warmer. Is that what you mean, Gordon? Uh, yeah, they that's, do. That's no, they go further when they're warmer. It's that's true. what I was asking. I was asking that, why, why would there be such a rule? That, that, that isn't a rule, but... <laughs> Okay, but, but the caddies keep the balls in the pocket, ah, right. so they're warmer, so they go, go a little. Yeah, that's a fun fact. Yeah. I did not know that. At cold, all. cold balls don't go very far, apparently. <laughs> do, do, do you oh, want another go. fun fact? Who's <laughs> good? Who has, who has the best score ever in a professional round of golf? Ooh, well, maybe not professional a round of golf. Don't know. No idea. Do you know? Yeah. Are you expecting me to know, or do you actually no, know? No, I don't expect you to know because I saw it in a trivial <laughs> pursuit question. Go on uh, then. This uh, is going to uh, over eighteen holes. Uh, over eighteen holes. It turns out it's Kim Jong from North Korea. No, no, Gordon, yeah. please think yeah. before you no, <laughs> say something. Yeah, please. That, but apparently, <laughs> this will be edited out, folks. This <laughs> will be. Appar- apparently, I think he recorded 11 holes in one in the one round. <laughs> his, his assistant submitted a card. So they, mm-hmm. they, there we go. Well, it must be a fact. Then. So, it must uh, be a fact. One more question yeah. before we get Paul on. Oh, sorry. Paul's Stuart. here. I think Paul's it's here. Stuart coming <laughs> on. That's all right. Paul. How do you relax? Because so many people use golf as something to relax, to enjoy, but that's your job full time. Well, strangely enough, my garage, I have a, I have a workshop in my garage. Obviously, I, I'm PGA trained and, and I can do all the club repairs that any, you know, club fitting guy can do. Yeah. I, I enjoy obviously playing golf with my boys and, and that's always relaxing and spending time with Marion and going out for bikes to eat. All that's great. But my garage is just amazing. I love my garage. I go in there like and I spend place. hours in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just. Even when I don't have to, I just take things to bits and put them back together. And I've got a vice in there. I've got loft and lie machine. I do all my own grips and all my own repairs to my own clubs. I just go in there, close the door. I just wow. love it. Yeah, I love it. In there. I, I enjoy obviously going away on my, on my bike and I enjoy doing all other bits and pieces. And we've bought a motorhome, which I never thought I would ever have a motorhome, but we've bought a motorhome. <laughs> and I love going away with Marion for a couple of nights in the motorhome, but my garage is my place. That's love my sanctuary. garage. I do. I love my garage. It's important to have somewhere you can oh, just yeah. turn off. Everyone needs something. Absolutely. So we've heard a lot about him and we've actually got him on the line now. He's joining us via Zoom from his clinic in Anstruther, Stuart Barton. Stuart, tell us a bit about how you got involved with Paul. Hello. How are you? Looking well. Oh, thank you. Well, Jennifer was just wondering, Stuart, if you attract business by tapping people on the shoulder on a regular basis in coffee shops. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Does it work for you? Is it? It was was maybe maybe dragging his leg along was a bit of a giveaway, but I just saw Paul. I I, I knew the story because I'm hung with Dawson Open, and that made me sad because of what Paul is to Scottish golf and what it means for Paul being open. And I just was next to him in the queue, and I says, I'm so sorry to hear about you. Out and I just I, I said I'm sure there must be something that can be done. I'm a physio, etc., etc. I think it's always handy because I've done the rugby that that gives credibility, even if it's maybe not true. I think, um, How honest! Um, that, um, the that dream I think, team. Oh, I think, I think <laughs> when Paul heard that I'd done the rugby team, was, maybe I was a bit different. So. And when he came up and I said, Stuart, could I have a look at it? I see what I think. And he said, but not here at the golf course. Let's go up to the shop at London Links. When he went there, my first thought was, I can't help him. I could help his back. I knew what was wrong. That I said, this alcohol's a problem. And I knew, I said, Gordon could. And I, I hold Gordon in the highest regard, which unfortunately he's now in the same room. I'd never see this if he wasn't there. Because no, no, he's you're just, talking it up. Less of it, less of it. People have to listen to this. Always, and I always think that, if I can fix it, I bet Gordon can. That's usually what my, my mindset is. Yeah. And if Gordon can make him his ankle walk properly and we can help his back, his back's bound to get better. And I just felt, I can't believe that nobody's picked up on this collapsing medial ligament, this medial apparatus, if you want to call it, was just not doing its job. And I says, Gordon can change that with his new stuff. I phoned Gordon so excited in the car, and I says, you'll not believe this. And I said, I reckon you. He says, well, that's worth a search to but I need to see him first, and then the rest is history. And I love the video of it, of the operation, and Gordon's got his 
probe they said this is this non-functional medial side and it's in look how stretched it is it's all attenuated and like Gordon teaching me all these words like attenuated and, <laughs> <laughs> so attenuated and it's just not doing a job at all and this is true once we've reconstructed this he's going to have a medial side of his foot I think the complicated thing is then it makes his back settle down, but then it makes him swing the golf club different. So it's not just plain sailing thereafter, but at least we've got the fundamental problem sorted. But I mean, that's uh, such an important role. It's a, a catalyst. We introduced some exercises for Paul to do down here. Quite challenging proprioceptive drills, early weight bearing. How important is rehab for something like that, though? I remember Gordon saying, Are you physios think it's all about your rehab and uh, the good outcomes, it's all thanks to the rehab. He says, but I know when I put my last stitch in how well that's going to do. And it's so true. You know a good one as soon as it comes in the door. And I think you're off to a flyer if, the, if a good, good surgery. And you can tell me straight Paul was going to do well because he was off to a flyer. The, the rehab, it's obviously very important. And the patient's mindset is the most important thing and their attitude about getting back. But, you know, all you're doing is steering it. I don't like to do any rehab. I like to kind of push it on a wee bit. You know, we're using pain as a guideline. Gordon's restored the functional anatomy and we push it on. And, you know, it's amazing how much a higher level activity they can do. They can still be limping but yet they can stand balance on one foot, you know, things like that. So you just get them going as soon as you can, and it's more and more getting further away from immobilisation to early mobilisation, and it's just brilliant. And I think that, that anti-gravity that I've got, which was Andy Murray's machine, that's totally changed how we rehab. That's, so what's that? So, I've, yeah, I've never heard of that. What's that about? It's, listen, it's it's about the same price as my car. Oh, Actually, thanks. it's more my car, my old Oof. car. <laughs> it's NASA technology that's a treadmill that you zip yourself in and when you it creates a, a, an airtight seal that when it inflates with air you can lower yourself down to 20% body weight all of a sudden you're not taking 100% of your body weight only 20% so you can actually walk without pain do exercises without pain and if you want an early weight bearing early mobilisation it takes away gravity which lets you do a functional exercise I remember you saying that after all our involvement with Scottish rugby and your involvement in particular and involvement with British Lions, that what you loved about Fife was dealing with ordinary ordinary people. You obviously still get a thrill from working with Paul and a high-performance sportsman who still drop in. But in terms of the local golfers, the recreational guys, some of that experience you can share with them as well. I've always loved it once Monty was rehabbing next to a local guy, a local lobster fisherman. And then next to him was a, a lady with a hip replacement. And this is just, that's real life next to stardom. Paul comes along, everybody knows Paul. The whole town knew Paul because he used to go in and get his coffee and his bacon roll. It was actually a Lauren sausage roll, if I remember it. Correct. And chips. Correct. No, no chips. No, no, this was the morning, Gordon. No, yeah, all right. Don't be chips in the morning. Don't be ridiculous. In a strange, in a funny way at night, I went to the co-op to get stuff. And two people said, I heard Paul Laurie. I saw Paul Laurie in a coffee shop this morning. And then somebody else said, I heard Paul Laurie was doing down some rehab. And it's just a wee town like that. I I quite like that, that just local people can come into the shop and do the rehab next to the great guys, that they can just do the same rehab, a a granny doing the same rehab. You must have felt good about having the confidence, though, to to chat to Paul, because it's something you might have thought twice about. Is it something you've done since that you decided, yeah, I'm going to get in there and just try and help as many people as possible, I suppose? No, I'd like to think I would treat the same person if it was Paul Laurie or Bob Smith or whatever, you know, it doesn't bother and I'd like to think that's true, but both Gordon uh, and Paul have been singing your praises in here. Obviously, I, I, I didn't I I like hearing stuff like that about himself because. <laughs> well, do you think your experience across sport has been quite important? And that obviously you've worked with Paul in golf. You've done a lot within the rugby world. Do you think that sort of just that knowledge of sporting injuries has been key to helping sort of Paul rehab and? To be honest, it was it was it was so obvious that Paul had no stability there. Yeah, up the kinetic chain was just going to have problems all day long. But you saw the overall picture that others wouldn't normally pick up. Yeah. But for me as well, obviously, I I hadn't had major surgery before, so I was probably a nightmare as far as every little thing that was happening. I was panicking, and I would, you know, phone Stuart, and then Stuart would phone Gordon, and Gordon would get, <laughs> listen, tell him just to relax. That the the kind of the information coming back was all part of it for me, and I understand that Barty plays it down, but man, 
he did a fantastic job, you know, for me. Both of them did. There's no question about that. I wouldn't be playing golf if it wasn't for these two. So he can yeah. play it down as much as he wants. You know, for me, I can play as much golf as I want. I can hit as many balls as I want. And he actually, he got my back spot on too yeah. because I was struggling badly with my back for a long time. So, so what was it like working with Stuart or Barty? As he's, what you see is what you get. <laughs> is, is that right, Gordon? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's what it says in the tin. No, honestly, it's great. And you need that. I mean, you need a bit of, you need a bit of character about, about when you go Absolutely. to these cases. I mean, if you're lying there, it's pretty boring. As yeah. you can imagine, it's, it's a long nice recovery, to get isn't it? Absolutely. So, you, so you, you need that relationship, and it's part of, part of Absolutely. the motivation and no, no. the reassurance that is essential. No, it's good fun, and that's what it's all about. Mm. I mean, did a proper job. Now, obviously, high praise indeed for both Gordon and for Stuart there, but it's testament to the fact you're you're in the room talking to them still because obviously it's it's not just a procedure in the past; it's actually changed your life for the better. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I I, I seriously. Would have stopped playing golf completely yeah. if I had if Stuart hadn't tapped me on the shoulder yeah. because I'd been to London, I'd been to yeah. Munich, I'd been to the injections, I'd been at the boy that fixed the lathabal with the same sort of stuff yeah. supposedly, and he didn't fix me. The fact that you know I am playing now and I'm playing as many as much as I want yeah. and playing at a good level, absolutely, um, is testament winning. to these it's guys. Amazing. Absolutely, Stuart. How does that make you feel hearing that? Well, I'm sorry, I was just sitting there thinking, that's really nice. It was just lovely to hear it all put like that. Actually, Paul, he always deserves it. He's always deserved it, and you know, but. The wee things like the normal things that he gets are just normal now, like back pain. We all get it, you know, when you do, we hit 200 balls in a row. You, your body gets one sided, and I love manipulating He's so responsive to manipulation. You can really manipulate that, and it, it does well with, inject, uh, with the manipulation. But if it's if, if it all along the fundamental was that his foot was not going to be the, the, yeah. the cause, was always going to be there, the victim was going to be his back, and now his back's not the victim, it's just it's the normal everyday things that he gets. So yeah. it's easy to manipulate. I like Mirkley's too. They both squeal and how old and shout at me. Gordon, Gordon's the biggest softie you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Can all the secrets now, Never knew that now. I like that. Yeah, I, I like oh. how he just says a wee manip as if this is yeah, a little gesture. This is a manipulation yeah. where you feel your spine has been disarticulated. <laughs> oh. Okay? Especially when he manipulates your neck. You not only oh, hear the crunch, you'd feel something detached temporarily. So I do Listen. tend to scream and I avoid it when I can. The other wee thought just now I remember... You also went, went up to join Paul in the driving range. You would think you went up <laughs> with your son Archie, but it's important to go into the, the field and see people perform firsthand rather than just in the clinic. It's quite an advantage to be able to do that. I just loved it when he gave me a shot of his four iron that he hit into the, the, the <laughs> playoff hole that won him the, the open. He I was just happy you never ah, broke it. What a moment! <laughs> <laughs> It's when he said I've got a nice swing and I'm like, oh, thanks very much. He went for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I love it? I love it how brilliant the relationship is between all three of you, actually. It shows how important it is to have a good team around you Absolutely. To, to create yeah. a, a professional athlete in the top of their game. The biggest thing that I got from Stuart wasn't so much the rehab. It was the fact that he subtly told me about a thousand times to lose a little bit of weight would ah. help. So uh, I've done that and uh, I've lost kind of just over two stone. Wow. And yeah, I've been working out a little bit and I've been biking. And Would you like me to stand up? Sorry to, to show you my stomach. But again, the point of that is that I think that's all a huge part of it. Sure, I think we've got everything we need. So thank you so much for, for dialing in and chatting to us. That was wonderful. Yeah. Right, listen, thanks very much, guys. It was lovely to see you briefly and hear from you. Thanks for um, just being you too. Lovely. Thanks, Barney. Nice. Looking well. Take care. Yeah. See you soon. He firmly believes that whether it's Paul Laurie or whether it is Bob Smith in the queue, if he had somebody that was struggling with their back, he would fix Bob Smith like he tried to fix me. Yeah, that's that's just how he is, isn't yeah. it? He's yeah, just a normal, yeah. everyday guy who's fantastic at what he does. Yeah, he, he really is. I mean, it, I th well, I think for me, in, in, in summary, I've learned since I've gotten older that when you're young, you're kind of bulletproof quite a lot with not going to the gym or stretching or hitting as many balls as you want. And as I've gotten older, the fact that I do a bit of stretching and I do a little bit of treadmill and I've got a mountain bike that I go out three or four times a week and I've lost a little bit of weight, it's amazing how you need that when you get that little bit mm. older. It's unbelievably important. So whether you're a tour golfer or whether you're a 15 handicapper at your local club, even just stretching now and again or having a bike or a, or a walk or you're going to, honestly, you'll benefit hugely from it. And with that kind of maintenance, golf should be a lifelong sport. It's something absolutely. you should enjoy with absolutely. your family, your kids, grandkids, yeah. etc. Yeah. Well, you're um, proving it is. Well, absolutely. It doesn't matter how good you are, as long as you enjoy it, you're going to want to keep doing it. So. Absolutely. Brilliant. Paul, Inspiring. thank you so absolute much for pleasure. talking to Gordon and I. It's been an absolute delight. It's been great fun. Thank absolutely. you for joining us. Thank you. Oh, thank you.